0: Hello everyone, welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. Hello Sydney. Hello Philip, how are you? I'm alright mate, um, I'm excited because A, I'm talking to you, B, the listeners are listening to us, and C, we've got Champions League football coming up this weekend, this week as well, and Europa League is a very, very busy week uh, for Spanish sides. Uh, before we talk about uh, anything else to do with European football, we have to look back at matchday day. 25 in La Liga, this is what happened. On Friday night, Elche continued their strong form and Rayo continued to struggle. It finished Elche 2, Rayo 1. Then on Saturday, Villarreal uh, won a a slightly crazy and highly entertaining game against Granada by four goals to one, setting themselves up nicely, Villarreal, for Tuesday night's game against Juventus in the Champions League. Five consecutive defeats now for Granada. Atletico Madrid kept a clean sheet away from home for the first time since. Since the 8th of May last year, they won 3-0 El Sadar against Osasuna. Again, good way for them to uh, set themselves up for Manchester United at the Wanda Metropolitano on Wednesday. Carith and Getafe finished almost inevitably in a draw, 1-1, Cadiz still haven't won away from, haven't won at home, Getafe still haven't won away from home, and then Real Madrid scored three second half goals, beating Alaves 3-0 at the Estadio Santiago Bernabeu. On Sunday, Espanol and Sevilla uh, drew 1-1, which meant that Sevilla missed a chance to cut the gap on leaders Real Madrid to four points. It's six points, the difference between Real Madrid and Sevilla. Barca uh, then thrashed uh, Valencia 4-1 with a slightly unorthodox hat-trick from Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang on his first ever La Liga start for Barca. Uh, Betis, hashtag always watch them, beat Mallorca 2-1 at the uh, Benito Villamarin. And then there was a historic Barca derby at San Mames Athletic Club Thrashing La Real Sociedad by four goals to nil. It's the first time since 1977 they've scored four goals against La Real. It's the first time since 1959 they've won a Basque derby by this margin. So it was a a very big night uh, in Bilbao. Monday night, we've got Celta against Levante. And I want to tell you about our Patreon. There's loads coming up at patreon.com forward slash TSFP this week. We've got a Q&A pod tomorrow answering all your questions. Bonus pod talking Atleti Man United, Villarreal, Juventus in the Champions League. Thursday's Europa League games as well. Plus a brand new episode of TSFP Presents at the Games, which is our guide to watching football in Spain. Come join us. It's just over 4 Euros a month. Sydney, we've got loads of talking points uh, this week. We're going to start with uh, the big game at Mestaya, uh, Barcelona beating Valencia by four goals to one. It was uh, in the end a comfortable victory for uh, Barcelona, although the scoreline didn't necessarily uh, tell the whole story of the game. But good stuff starting to happen for Barcelona now.
1: Yeah, um, and I think that we we had seen little glimpses of this going back quite a while now, but what we felt was that there was a vulnerability about Barcelona and an inability to be effective about Barcelona. They weren't taking their chances. They were occasionally, um, forced, if you like, to resort to, to getting the ball wide and getting crosses in. And that didn't always feel like it was the, the best plan. And of course, this is something that we talked about last week after the after Catalan Derby against Espanyol, when of course they needed to turn to Luke de Jong in the end to make that an effective approach. And what I think made this so pleasing for them was that it married, it married those two elements. You know, it got the effectiveness with the kind of style that I think Xavi would like. I think they were probably benefited by... I don't want to be quite as simplistic as saying poor defending from Valencia, although it was. I think it was the type of defending from Valencia, and particularly you see this on the first goal, how mm. easily yang um, I don't know what you would call this, I suppose, does that elastic movement, which is to go a little bit short and then turn and go long again. So sort mm-hmm. of pull the defender and then go beyond him. And it's, it's a very simplistic kind of move. And actually there was some nice footage which was shown last night um, on the telly of Bordelas saying to... Uh, Who was he saying it to now? Which of the defenders was it? It was one of the two central defenders, I think, saying, you know, you've got to be stuck on him. It's not enough letting him get a metre away from you because then when he turns and goes back again, he's got the run on you and you'll just get away. he then finishes it brilliantly. Really, really good finish. Uh, Near post, high up, just about grazes the post as it goes in. But I think that then enabled um, everything that came next in terms of opening the game up, in terms of giving Barcelona space to play. But they did look very good Indeed. Valencia, I think, have problems. I personally think maybe not quite as many problems as Borderlass is making out. And I think in part that self-preservation, him talking about how you know we can't realistically aspire to anything and, and so on. Um, but I thought Barcelona were very good. And, and honestly, over the last three or four weeks, there's been quite a lot of this, quite a lot mm. of moments in which I thought, there's something building here.
0: Mm. Uh, the first goal, as you said, was a, a ball over the top, which Abamayang uh, ran onto and finished sensationally. The, uh, his second goal was a, a brilliant, brilliant team move. Actually, that wasn't mm. his second goal, was it? The Barcelona's second goal was a... yes, the uh, de Jong's goal. Yeah, that's was, the team was a, move. Yeah, was a brilliant, I mean, sensational team move. One touch passing, finished off by uh, Frankie de Jong. Then Abamayang scored uh, his third. It was three uh, nil after thirty-eight minutes. You know, they've raced into this lead, and then Abameyang was given the fourth. It was a fantastic shot from Pedri, which takes a slight deflection off Aubameyang's back and is, well, unfortunately for Pedri and for Aubameyang, uh, given to the, to the Gabonese striker. Uh, Barcelona started this game with Aubameyang centrally, Ousmane Dembele on the right and Ferran Torres on the left. Is that their first choice front three?
1: I don't know. I honestly don't. Um... Do you think Xavi knows? Probably not yet, but right. I don't think he's worried about not knowing. Okay. So I, I, I don't mean that as a criticism of him. I think it's, it's fine for him not to know. I think mm-hmm. it's fine for him to try and decide. I, I, my feeling is that if you're thinking about long-term, you will try uh, – put it this way. I think Dembélé has to do more than Adama to get a first-team place. Mm-hmm. Because why do this if he's going to go? That said, of course, you don't know exactly what's going to happen with Adama Torreira at the end of the season. You, mm-hmm. you, may, you may not have him either. Um, And so you're in a position where I think that it's possible that this decision was based on making sure that Adama starts on Thursday night in the Europa League. Mm. But it feels a bit early to me, a bit premature to me, to be trying to rotate Adama Traore. Mm. It's not like he's had, he's not played much this season. Um, It's not like he looks exhausted. Physically, he looks absolutely fine. Um, And so it might be about the tactics of the team that you're playing against. There's absolutely no doubt that Xavi thinks that Dembele is a really good player. Hmm. and that he wants to use him. I here's the here's maybe a broader question to kind of throw in. Are we absolutely certain that Dembele's leaving? Are we absolutely certain that there's no chance of 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 there
0: being an agreement reached at some point? Can we really be certain of anything Sydney in this world? But I mean <laughs> as far as you can be certain I reckon I'm pretty confident he's leaving at the end. Well of the I season. am as well, I yeah.
1: am as well or at least I was. I was Well what's made you change but, your mind? Nothing really. The fact that he's being played? No, because I thought that would happen anyway, because I think that's just rational. That's just, look, we have this asset, let's play him. I think, I suppose, in a way, the fact that there is no sign of him having already signed a deal with someone else.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, And, you know, Barcelona said when they made that ultimatum and and Matteo Alemijn said it, we think he's got an agreement with someone else mm. and we think he's agreed with someone else and he's not going to stay and so why would we stick with him? And by the way, I think that's rational even if we ask all sorts of questions about the way it was handled and publicly and so on. But then I started thinking, well, maybe he really hasn't. Maybe he really was. just He just didn't think that, we, that Barcelona would kind of bring the, you know pull up the drawbridge, as it were. You know, mm. say actually, no, that's it, it's done. And so I, I just don't know if maybe actually he doesn't have
0: the suitors that he thinks he has. Mm. or that we think he has. Well, I think he's going to be useful for Barca uh, between now and the end of the so season. So do I. And Pierre-Emerick looks like a very, very useful signing as well uh, for Barcelona. Uh, with that hat-trick, quick word on Valencia, who have the second-worst defensive record in the league. Mm. Only Devante have conceded more goals than them, which is it's just bizarre. Well, as I said um, when I was talking about that first goal in particular,
1: it's not just, if you like, the... The fact that they don't defend well—it's the—it's the fact that they don't defend well within a context of board which in theory is tight. Uh, I was actually talking to someone at Valencia last week, and they, they were talking about the—you the, know—it's—it's it's three or four very very simple demands made of the players. Mm. It's not—it's not, it's not um, over complex, uh, but it is focused on 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 aggressiveness and positioning. And, and actually on defensive solid, solidity, but they just don't have it. And that's mm-hmm. what's striking about this. Is it doesn't fit with the identity of a manager at the same time as some of the things that we identify with borderless, we definitely are seeing. We mm. are seeing a team make more fouls. We are seeing, seeing a team, to be honest, be, be nastier mm. uh, and try and waste more time and, and try and kill the game as much as they can. Um, I also think it's the type of mistakes they're making. Some are individual ones, but some are positional. And, and as I say, that that first Aubameyang goal was really striking in that sense. How easily... Valencia were drawn into the middle of the pitch. Mm -hmm. And then, whoop, thanks very much. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that really, really surprised me. And and Borderlass tends to frame this in terms of inexperience and in terms of not enough quality in the squad. And I don't know if at some point, now obviously at hierarchy level, clubs get very tired of that very quickly because of course it's pointing the finger at them. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if at some point fans will tire of that or whether they will think, actually, you know what? He's just telling the truth. (laughs) <laughs> and i think it's actually a bit of both because yes. i think he is telling the truth but i don't think it's as bad
0: as his post-game discourse on sunday made it sound hmm. all right let's move on there is lots for us to discuss remember if there's something that we haven't talked about you want us to talk about become a patron send us a question we will answer it on the q a pod on tuesdays uh basque derby time athletic four la real nil all four goals coming in the second yeah. half the, the first half not a great deal had happened no
1: it wasn't very good at all to be honest
0: it wasn't it wasn't amazing we had picked it up quite Quite a lot saying, you know Bas Derby, unique fixture, passion, commitment, blah blah blah, and there was nothing wasn 't much going on uh, in that first half, but then athletic um, we, we did see uh, Alex Ramiro save a penalty, uh, of course, and uh, uh, then athletic uh, just sort of exploded in the last twenty five minutes they were They were actually very good in the final third when Oyan Sansek came on, and a lot 's been mm. made of his introduction of him. As a player being slightly different to your typical athletic club yeah a player and and indeed forward is technically. Really very, very good. He's excellent in between the lines and he could be quite an important player for Athletic.
1: I think he could. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and it, it, it was a game where not a huge amount happened in the first half. We didn't even get very many fouls, despite the fact that Raul Garcia was booked after four minutes. Hmm. You sort of thought, well, here we go then. <laughs> this is past derby yes. time. And there wasn't even very much blood and thunder, to be honest. I yeah. think the total foul count was 18-9 each ah, in the entire game, which is pretty low, to be honest, for a Come past on. derby. Uh, and the game was incredibly exciting once they scored the first goal. It's like it was like Real. Something I didn't know what happened. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, Athletic were let loose. But you're right that oh, in Sunset's role was really really interesting. I, I actually think, by the way, there's an element of what you're saying about him in terms of he's a slightly different type of player. Um, it's more about understanding space. It's not quite as vertical. It's not quite as straight liney. Mm-hmm. It's not as aggressive. I think there's a touch of that with Belenguer as well. You know, I, I, I think both of them are not quite. Straight up and down Athletic players I think there's a little bit More to both Obviously it's also true Of Mounaïn So maybe the whole thing Needs to be slightly Kind of undone The assumptions Mm. About how they play Um, And I thought he was Absolutely brilliant It is true That around his brilliance Which is different They were still doing The very athletic things And there was a moment I mean, obviously, they got the four goals in what was it, eighteen minutes or nineteen minutes? I think, and they were just, just suddenly, they were everywhere. Mm-hmm. But there was a moment, I think, between the first and the second goal. Or it might even been before the first goal, and then again after the second goal. Two in Yaki Williams runs, one on the left and one on the right, where he just tore them up, <laughs> and that was very like Athletic. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I think, I think there is a, quite a nice combination, and it was interesting as well. And this tallies with the, the 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 kind of the analysis of sunset to hear Rafael Alcorta, the sporting director after the game, yes. say we think we've got a deeper and more varied squad than we've had before, and I think that's probably true.
0: Ah, yeah, that's an interesting description. It, it probably is uh, as well. Uh, Marcelino is their manager for now. Mm. <laughs> He's not renewed yet, and mm. there have been suggestions that he could go on to. Uh, with all due respect to Athletic. A bigger job. Uh, yes, has been mentioned as a possible successor by by you uh, to Diego Sibioni at Atletico. He could be a new Spain manager. Is he going to renew? In in a way, the situation is both very simple and very complex. It's very simple
1: in that he has been um, given uh, an offer of a contract renewal, and it's very simple as well in that his camp believe that it's difficult to re-sign. Because they don't know what's going to happen with presidential elections. And there is the possibility that whoever comes in as a candidate or whoever may win the elections doesn't necessarily want him. Now, I must admit, I don't buy that explanation entirely because Mm. I think right now. Now, a month ago, this was different. But right now, I don't think any candidate comes in and says anyone other than him. Um, A month ago, and and this was very definitely part of their thoughts They thought, well, if they don't progress in the league uh, Sorry, don't continue to get good results in the league And at that stage, the the results hadn't quite picked up as they have recently If they don't progress in the cup And if you get someone like Andoni Irola continue to do well at Rayo You might get a candidate come in and say, well, actually, my candidate would be Irola So there was a feeling that you don't renew with a board that's outgoing Mm-hmm. because that creates an uncertainty. Now I think there's more certainty because I think whoever comes in would take it, but there's still that idea that this isn't a great idea because it's just not what you do. And so we, we talk about it post-elections or, or we put something in place provisionally. Now, the reason I say I don't entirely buy that is I actually think there is an element, exactly as of you saying, without, wanting, without them wanting to admit it, there is an element of thinking, let's just see what's out there.
0: Mm.
1: And what's out there is that feeling that What if Simeone was to go? Does Mm -hmm. that become an option? And if not, does England become an option? Because there aren't Mm. really very many clubs left in Spain Mm. that he could go to. Because, of course, if you talk about progression from where he is, you don't go to Real Sociedad because you're Athletic. At least, certainly not now. And actually, I'm not sure that he would be in the frame for them anyway. Madrid and Barcelona probably don't open up to him. Although I must admit, I think Real Madrid could do a lot worse than go for him. Um... And then you say, well, not Sevilla, because that's the one place where it didn't work for him and the relationship wasn't great. Not Villarreal, because it did work for him, absolutely. But the relationship by the end with the president wasn't great. And, of course, he's already been at Valencia. So in terms of big clubs, who's left? Betis, well, Pellegrini's not going in a hurry. (laughs) So there isn't really anyone there. So then you say, well, I think there is a desire to not be tied down in case something else turns up. Although the message, say, internally is more about, look, institutionally right now... You can't renew with Athletic because you don't know who's going to be in charge.
0: Mm. Okay, um, let's talk about uh, La Real. I was looking at the uh, the table from Match Day fourteen. They were ten points ahead of Athletic Club. The gap yeah. between them is now uh, just one. They've been on a uh, they've been on a slump really. Although they yeah. came into this game having. Kept four consecutive clean sheets, and um, they were they were unbeaten in, in four matches, and they were looking at five matches. And they were looking relatively relatively solid, if not spectacular. But this is a really really big big defeat for them. They've got a big game in the Europa League a midweek. Is it obviously it's too sensationalist to say that their their season could be over in a week after being thrashed in the derby, and they could get kicked out of the of the Europa League as well. But they're definitely they're definitely slumping a little bit.
1: They are, and it's been coming for a while. Um, and obviously, even earlier in the season, they weren't scoring a lot of goals, but we we allowed ourselves to believe, and you know, I include myself in this, that maybe not playing quite as well as last year, but showing that solidity was, was the sign that they were actually somehow more mature or stronger mm. than they were mm. last year. And, and, and that hasn't quite been borne out. Um, I think as well, we've seen a degree of fatigue, and I think we've seen perhaps a degree of... Subconscious, probably, but prioritisation. I don't Mm -hmm. think there's any doubt that this game is partly conditioned by the fact that they were away on Thursday night. They didn't get back until Friday. Um, They had much less time than Athletic. They were blown out the water in the second half. I think they have been trying to spend the first half sort of, in a way, trying to take the sting out of the game, partly because Mm -hmm. of an awareness, I guess, of of that. Um, It was interesting to listen to Philby Mendy, wasn't it, post-game, and he was saying, this is no excuse Maybe yes. the physical part of it plays a part. But he seemed to be suggesting that this is a mental thing. He said Ooh. you can't just collapse when you concede the first goal. Um, and, and it is true that all the way through the team, you've got players who really kind of haven't quite taken that step up. But Ooh. I do think the focus is Europe. And, and as you say, it would be too, too early to, to say the season's over because if they get a European place again, that would be a success. And they yes. currently still hold that. they yeah. now got people right behind them, including Athletic, but yeah. they do currently hold that position. Or, or do they? Or are they actually the last of the non-European places? Well, they're
0: seventh. Seventh. Um,
1: which probably will be a European place, but yes. that depends on what happens in the Copa del Rey. Actually, it might not, because, of course, Copa del Rey, you've got Betis, who will get into Europe, Valencia, who probably won't, Raya, who probably won't, and Athletic who are the one right behind them.
0: <laughs> yes. So, uh, let's see whether or not seventh gets into Europe. And uh, we've got to talk about Real Madrid, the leaders. They're six points clear at the top of the table. Uh, another home win. Uh, another clean sheet It it was a really poor first half. Oh, it was. It was so dull. <laughs> it, it wasn't great. You, you were pitch side. It, was, it wasn't it was sensational. But then, what was sensational was Marco Asensio's opener on, on 63 minutes and a lovely, lovely, lovely team move. Yeah. Finished off by uh, Vinicius Junior and, and Karim Benzema scored a, a penalty in injury time to, to round off what was, in the end, a comfortable victory. <laughs> well, the Alaves really should have gone one near up uh. about 60 seconds before Asensio opened the scoring pair of missed an absolute sitter and then they went up the other end and and scored uh, Real Madrid so yeah, as as producer Alice put in the, the production though shall we talk about the first 60 minutes or, or the last 30 minutes because it's <laughs> very mu- different very much the last 30 but it's
1: worth putting it in the context of the first 60 uh, and first of all bre- very briefly um, you get the David uh, Jason miss in the first half yes. uh, and then you get the Pedopons miss which is basically a miss that resides in the fact that he Chose to use the wrong foot, and mm. it's absolutely baffling that he went right-footed when the ball is just not in a position to kick it with your right foot. I mean, it, it, his body shape was all wrong trying to kind of trying to kind of dig the ball out. Um, the reason I say let's talk about the first thirty, uh, sorry, first sixty minutes to put it into the context is, of course, I think the context is partly the importance of someone who can shoot. But when things aren't going well and the other team is waiting for you and we've seen that real madrid have had problems this year with teams that sit and wait for them someone who can shoot makes a big difference and correct me if i'm
0: wrong <laughs> so like yeah, from your, <laughs> so the strategy just just twat it, it well just basically give it to marco and i mean,
1: get I mean a smack. in a way yes um, yeah. and and this is this is the sort of the simplicity of it all is that yeah you've got someone who can shoot bloody well shoot sometimes mm. and and correct me if i'm wrong but i think that's twice now in the last month is it that Marco Asensio has, has scored really, really good goals to, to break the deadlock in really quite poor games. Um, it's up into it's that twice
0: point. in 13 days, Sydney.
1: Uh, 13 days, so it's not even yes. as long as a month, right. Um, and the other thing is, just to, just to kind of pick up on the first 60 minutes and to put it in the context, um, as you said, I was pitch side. And one of the things I always talk about when we talk about watching a game from down there is is you get a sense of how good the, uh, they are as athletes and mm-hmm. how quick the game is. I changed ends at half-time, which doesn't usually happen, but this time it did because I was forced to, which meant I was at the end that Real Madrid attacked in both halves of this game.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And genuinely, this is, I think, the first time that I've sat pitch side and thought, oh, this is slow. Now, Mm. it might be because I've got used to the pace of it now, but I was sitting there thinking, this really isn't very quick. Like the mm-hmm. ball isn't moving quickly, the players aren't moving quickly, they're not doing anything that I feel, oh, that's an athlete. A couple of times Vinicius tried, but even he wasn't really doing it. Um, and I was really struck by Marco Asensio because I had him on my wing in the first half and on the opposite wing in the second half, because um, I was slightly to one side of the goal. Um, and I kept thinking, his desire always to turn back onto his stronger foot Mm. Slows everything down Now of course mm. the flip side is Then he gets into position When you can shoot and bang, It's a really it's good done. foot It's a yeah.
0: really really good foot That's the thing yeah. um, Carlo Ancelotti deciding Not to make any changes In this side apart from one With Tony Cross being rested And Fede Valverde coming in Otherwise Same players that played in Paris mm. And were absolutely overwrought by uh, Overrun by uh, PSG Do you think there was an element of Go on go out there and show me You can do this
1: Maybe yeah, and I did wonder about why it was Cruz and not Modric. Because yeah. I, I assumed, I mean, you know, maybe I'm making a mistake of just looking at the ages and drawing the conclusions from there. But also looking actually at Modric's face when he came off in Paris. And he sat mm. on the bench, he actually looked old. You know, he looked mm. sort of drawn and tired. Um, and I was surprised...
0: Well, that not we
1: all? <laughs> well, there is that, yeah. yeah. I was surprised that it was Kroos and not Modric. Uh, I was surprised that there isn't some attempt to get Kamavinga onto the pitch a little bit. On the assumption, and I might be wrong, but on the assumption that he'll play because Casemiro is missing the second leg. Mm. Uh, I mean, as I say, I might be wrong about that, but I'm assuming that he plays, and, and certainly one of him, or Valverde, actually, absolutely will have to. Mm. And I don't think Valverde is a deep midfielder. I don't really think Camavinga is, but I think he mm. can just about play there. Um, well, someone's got to play there. Someone's got to. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. and, and you've got to find some way of of, 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 of plugging that gap. And I suspect he might go for an extra midfielder to try and plug it mm. with two. Um, yeah. And and Madrid were much much better in the second half and accelerated. But I don't know whether that's partly a product of the fact that they got the goal, and then they were confronted by a different type of Alavés team.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, quick word on
0: Vinicius: How did he seem to you? Because he's flat, very flat If he's edging towards back towards the old Vinicius, no, 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 because I don't
1: think. I mean, look, I say this as you know, off the basis of one game, and I don't want to make it a. a, 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 a what would you call it, like a permanent conclusion. Okay. But what I, thought, what I thought was that he looked a little flat. He looked, um, they doubled up on him and he found it very difficult to find a way through. A couple of times I felt in the first half, watching from close up, but it's possible that on the telly this looks different, that he was a bit eager to go down. And that's sometimes the actions I think of a player who's a bit desperate and doesn't realise he's not getting through and thinks, oh well, maybe I'll get something here. Um, and so I thought it was that. So the reason why I say that's not the same as the previous finishes is, I didn't think he looked anxious as such. I didn't mm. think he looked nervous. I didn't think he looked wasteful. Just sort of not quite as sharp. And, mm. and as I say, that 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 sense I've had of watching him in clo- watching him close this year of, of how quick he is and how frightened you must be being the fullback. I didn't really feel that this time around. There was one moment when um, Miazga, I think it was, turns to the other central defender. And basically says, look, there's one against two over there now because Mendy was joining him. And that was the only time in the whole game that I felt like Alaves were were looking at Vinicius and thinking we can't deal with this. And it was because Mendy had come to join him, which, of course, you've got to do anyway.
0: You know, that's that's a reality. Real Madrid, recording the victory, though, in the end, beating Alaves by... By three goals to nil. Uh, Let's talk about Atletico, who also recorded a 3-0 win away from home at El Sadar against Osasuna. It's curious, actually. They've actually got an unbelievably good record at El Sadar against Osasuna, which is in theory one of the toughest places uh, to go. But I think they've won five of the last six trips there, and they've scored loads of goals uh, as well. João Felix, in particular, has enjoyed his uh, trips to Pamplona. He got a goal and an assist uh, this weekend. The assist is for one of the goals of the season. A mm. lovely, lovely ball out to Luis Suarez, who then scores from from 40 metres out, Luis Suarez, with his weaker foot after Osasuna goalkeeper Sergio Herrera has gone walkabout. Again, not for the first time, but Mm. uh, the the general performance from Atletico was better. It was much better if you look at the stats, if you look at the defensive stats. They were much better in basically every metric than their average uh, for the season. Uh, They managed to score as as, as well, and, and, and the clean sheet is extremely important, but they rode their luck. They needed a little yeah. bit of luck, but Osasuna had chances.
1: I think that's an important point to make at the very outset, that you look at this and you think, oh, Atletico are back. Yeah. As you've already pointed out, first first clean sheet since that Barcelona game last season. Um, the the idea that that this is very Atletico, you can look at the stats and look at the number of chances made and it's not very many um, and there were more shots for Osasuna than there were for Atletico and you think, well, this is Atletico doing what they do, kind of keeping the other team more or less at arm's length uh, and then catching them. Um, but the reason why I, I I think you're right to to point out as they broke the luck is because there were a couple of chances the kind the likes of which this season Atletico have conceded only one in the game and conceded it and mm. it's gone in and you know we we've talked a lot about the underlying metrics not being that bad in terms mm. of expected goals and so on but the chances they give up are so clear that they get done for them we see a couple of uh, of Jan Oblak saves in this game which we'd not really seen this season so there was those moments where, there were those moments where you thought they asked. They are slightly fortunate to get away with this, which makes you reluctant to go too far down that route of Atletico or Atletico again. But mm. there were bits of that. Um, obviously, all of this is also conditioned by the fact that Jal Felix scores after, what is it, four minutes, five minutes? Um, or maybe it's three. Three, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so you, you, you sort of think the whole game changes there. And maybe what that does, actually, is change this thing that Atletico have had this year of wasting the first half. Now, mm. in a way, it means they can waste the first half, but at least they're doing it to, to hold on to something <laughs> rather than just for the first half to disappear with nothing happening. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe there's a sense of comfort there. You're right as well. They're, they're a little bit. For, look at the goals. You get the Jao Felix one really early um, from a corner, I think, or a lateral free kick. Yes. I can't remember from a yes, corner. Um, you get a really, actually, a very nice pass from Jao Felix to release Luis Suarez for the second, but he's still 40 metres out. And then when Angel Correa scores again, it's over the top when Osasuna are throwing people forward. And so you just think without that first goal, are we actually talking about the same thing? Now, I know without that first goal is a false, uh, what would you call it? A false conditional because mm-hmm. it did happen and this year it hasn't happened and that in itself is important, but I'd be reluctant to go too far with this. Um, I do think, though, there is something to be said for Atletico. Just just pick a team and stick with it for a bit.
0: Yes, Absolutely. That's not going to happen, though. <laughs> I don't
1: think it is. Uh, no, I don't think it is, yeah. I think he's going
0: to continue to chop and change. Ankel Correa was, was on the bench for this one, came off and, and, and scored. and Not sure what he needs to do to be consistent. No, it's amazing, games, isn't it? Because he is,
1: yeah. he is the one person that you look at and you think, at no point in this season has this guy let you down. And everybody yes. else in the team, every single one of the other players in that team, yes. at some point this season, you thought... Mm. You're not really doing it, are you? <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: uh, Sid, you know how long we've been doing this podcast for? I, about eight years, isn't it? It's nine years, I wow, think. Okay. And, and during that nine years, we have not managed to get a sponsor on board at all. Now is our chance, Sidney. I feel really good about this. I think we can get the Burgos Tourism Board on board (laughs) as our sponsor for the rest of the season because we're about to big up the city of Burgos Mm. and the stadium of Burgos FC because that's where you went on Sunday to watch the mighty Rey Loviedo win 1-0. Burgos, charming city, two and a half hours north of uh, Madrid with some lovely old bars, magnificent cathedral and there is a professional second division football side to watch as well. What was it like as an away day, Sydney?
1: It was really fun and there was a real sense, I think, Um, of if you have a game in a nice city as Bordogos is a relatively reachable city from Oviedo as Bordogos is at four o'clock on a Sunday afternoon in the spring because Bordogos can get very very cold in the winter but in the spring it's really really nice and you've got fans who if you like welcome the the arrival of opposition fans a city that that loves having them there there were 2,000 Oviedo fans there probably more than that actually um it was it was just a lot of fun. Bordegos fans made a lot of noise. I was talking to to a friend of mine who was a Bordegos fan, and he was saying, you know, the the hardcore has always been there, but they've tried really hard to to kind of get other people to go to try and make a thing of Burgos El Plantero is a nice stadium uh, it's got the, one side of it's completely new now I preferred the old one to be honest because it had that character it was wooden benches all the way along literally with numbers written onto the bench for where you sat obviously that's been modernised it's very very smart it's tight to the pitch makes quite a lot of noise uh, and, and it was really really enjoyable
0: uh, Burgos Tourism Board call us let's talk okay uh, we're, because uh, we're, I mean we're, we should add we
1: should add here that in the in the latest edition of our, of our podcast about actually going to the games yes was it you asking Al or it was Al asking you, I think? I've which way around it was. Actually threw you the question, where's your ranking of cathedrals? And I think Burgos yes. was right up there.
0: Burgos, number one for me. I think yeah. it's gen- generally generally tops the uh, cathedral rankings in, in Spain. So if you're into cathedrals and football, uh, then Burgos is your spot. Uh, before we go, uh, we've got to tell you what's coming up this week. On Tuesday, we've got Villarreal against Juventus. Wednesday, Atletico Madrid against Man United. Then on Thursday... Dinamo Zagreb, Sevilla, Real Sociedad Leipzig, Napoli Barça and Betis in St Petersburg. Wow. What a tremendous week of football uh, for us to look forward to. Come and join us at Patreon there is loads of content there it costs 4 euros a month it's really really good value. Otherwise we'll be back here on Monday as ever talking about Spanish football. Adiós amigos. Cheerio.